0: Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time, as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately for greater yields and more profit. This episode is brought to you by ADS, Advanced Drainage Systems. Soil, sunlight, and water are the three most important resources in crop production. Let ADS help manage your water resource in a productive and sustainable manner. Advanced drainage systems, their reason is water. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason.
1: Greetings and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curve. That's right. Extreme Ag brings you these wonderful sources of content, information, insights, information you can use to shorten your learning curve. The idea is you give us a few minutes of your time and we will shorten your learning curve by days, weeks, months, even years to make you a better, more successful, more prosperous farming operation. Today, we're talking about understanding and Navigating agricultural price input uh, input price increases. Okay, let's face it. You've heard about inflation. You can't turn on the radio now or watch the news without them talking about inflation. Some of us predicted this was going to be a really bad outcome. Going back a year and a half ago, all the disruptions, shutdowns, etc., have created a tremendous amount of disruptions to our supply chains, which then have therefore increased uh, the amount of shortages or uh, supply distortions, and also have created price input. Uh, input price increases. So we're going to be talking about that today, how you can understand why this is happening and get a better breadth of what exactly is going on in the marketplace, but also how you can navigate it. Because what really matters is once you understand what's at play, how you can then use this information and navigate and work around it. Because you know what? At the end of the day, you can complain about this, but what really matters is that you stay solvent. You keep your operation profitable. We have Darla Huff, She is one of our sponsors, in fact. Uh, Advanced Drainage Systems is her company. They make drainage tile. They make a lot of stuff about helping water, uh, you know, management on your farm. She's the Ag Market Manager for North America. She's going to talk about things from a manufacturing uh, and logistics standpoint. And then getting in from logistics to the wholesale and retail level, we're going to be talking to John Gilbert with Agtegra. Agtegra is one of my former clients. They've hired me to do speaking engagements up in Aberdeen, South Dakota. They're a top five agricultural cooperative in the United States of America, principally operating in the North and South Dakota marketplace. He's going to be explaining what's going on with these input prices at the retail wholesale level, and then sort of options that he's giving to his customers People like Lee Lubers. Lee Lubers is one of the founding members of Extreme Ag. He is a large-scale farmer in Gregory, South Dakota, there at Lubers Farms that he operates with his brother. Uh, Mr. Lubers is going to tell us about his operation and what he is doing to navigate and get around and still be profitable in face of all of these huge price input cre- input price cre- increases we are seeing. So then, welcome to the show. Darla, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. More importantly, thank you for being a sponsor. So if you're listening to this, watching this, you've never seen the face behind it, but I encourage you to log in here so you can meet the woman that has made this all possible. She's our, you know, our sponsor right out of the out of the blocks here on this cutting the curve. Okay, John Gilbert, you ready to sound brilliant and tell people why it is you're gouging them? Are you gonna tell them why it is that you're gouging them?
2: It's not the first time I've heard that. uh, And that is not true. Uh, We are, uh, we are working in some very difficult times right now. Uh, It's been challenging. uh, But I think uh, hopefully I can explain uh, uh, some of the things that are going on in the marketplace and why some of these prices are out of control. Fantastic. And then Lee
1: Lubbers at the farm level, you know, there's the old joke, the farmer, it's, it's too wet, it's too dry, it's too cold, it's too warm, it's too this, it's too that. Are you ready to do some serious bitching now? Because I want to hear it from you, you know, why are these prices all going up? Anyway, Lee, are you ready to tell us about what you're doing to navigate the, the, price, the price of all of the inputs you use going up and what you're going to do to make this work for you heading into 2022?
3: Yeah, well, complaining doesn't pay. So uh, that's not an option in our operation. So uh, we have a proactive mindset, not a reactive mindset. And that's extremely critical when you're in a period like this where you have supply chain disruptions and an inflationary period. Uh, We learned the hard way uh, back in 2008, 2009. Uh, We were not sourcing inputs months in advance or almost a year in advance And that was the era when we saw $50 to $60 glyphosate, $1,000 urea, and $1,200 DAP. And we were working with wheat growers at the time, and that's what uh, AgTegger was prior to the merger. Uh, And uh, we all got talking, key accounts and the management, and they were very receptive to listen to us. And it's like, what can we do to try to create a program to get something going here? So we can be protected manage our risk moving forward because we want to be a customer every year but this is really hard when prices are so high and i will compliment them uh their upper management did listen to about 15 20 of us and came up with a program called acres ahead and we've been with it ever since so uh long-term relationships are very critical we feel in our business. And uh, the one we have with the Acres Ahead program has been really good for us. That's fantastic. We're going to hear about the Acres Ahead program from John in just a minute. Before that, I want to get to really the root
1: of all this because the person that's out here, you know, we get really caught up doing what we do, and and these agricultural producers are very good at what they do. We make you know 177 bushel corn on average, and 57 bushel beans, I think, is what they're saying now. We're going to have, but the point is, we're doing really well what we do. We sometimes don't think about bigger picture and bigger picture in a global economy. So we're going to discuss what it is that's making all of this happen. What the hell happened. But before we do that, I want to also remind you guys, as well as the listeners, this is a joint podcast because I this there's such a great topic with such great minds on here that we're making this not only cutting the curve, we're making this my uh, business of agriculture podcast. I'm going to be jointly sharing it between my audience because probably about one third of my listeners are farmers also. So if you're wondering uh, uh, how we uh, did this, that's why we did it this way, because I think it's a valuable uh, episode and information you can use. Darla, From a production standpoint, you know, I worked in a factory and I've got a degree in agricultural economics. I can talk about graphs and widgets all day long and I can talk about the production of stuff. But here's the reality. Stuff's going up in price. You know, uh, if you're going to make a foot of drainage tile or you're going to put chemical into a jug, it needs plastic, plastic resin. What's going on there? shipping boxes, for God's sakes, they're telling me shipping boxes from Asia, the cargo things you see on a semi flatbed going down the road, they're like
4: four and a half times the price they were just one year ago. Talk to me. So um, in, in a nutshell, you could say COVID and post COVID. And we go from being what we thought was post COVID to now we've got this Delta variant coming out. And although you know in, in agriculture, that doesn't change the way our farmers are reacting, or what our farmers are doing day to day but it is changing um, how our economy is reacting. And so because of that, every market is, is, is suffering, not just agriculture. Um, I, my husband also works in ag and he uh, actually works with Corteva. So we're able to have conversations about, you know, what's going on in the chem market, what's going on in the seed market, what's going on in the pipe market. So it's not just above ground. It's not just below ground. It's hitting, it's hitting our sector in every, in every place. And so, you know, it's, it's it's a laggard effect, in my opinion, from a COVID perspective. Um, you know, during COVID, some things were still moving because people, you didn't see that boom so much, in, or you saw the boom in, uh, let's say, building and construction. So we do a lot of construction work as well at ADS. Because people were staying home, they were investing in things that, when they're working from home, they're doing more projects around their house. So our demand went up. Well, then when the when worker availability went down, that's when we started to see our um, inability, not just our, but the market's inability to keep up with demand from an inventory perspective. So you've got Im- inventory constraints right there, which, again, also affects the transportation piece. Common carriers for if we can't get enough drivers to come in and drive um, for deliveries, common carrier prices are up 60 percent. The what they call snowpocalypse in Texas, where all of the plastic manufacturing plants are. Oh, hang on a second. second. Hang on
1: a second. Hang on a second. You are the fastest speaking Southern person I've ever met in my life. I let's give our listeners a chance to digest that common carrier. First mm-hmm. off to the person that's like, hell, I don't know. I just go to the store. That mm-hmm. means you're talking about like just freight haulers that one that, a company would contract with to haul their goods. Correct? Correct. Like DHL. DHL, let's say, and their mm-hmm. prices year over year went up. Explain it again. 60%. 60% just on the transportation. So, just transportation. so let's say that piece of plastic that we think, oh, well, plastic went up because resin went up, whatever, 14% or some, some small number. You start then saying, yeah, but extrapolate that over how many pieces of plastic, how many trucks it takes to move it. And then the trucking is up 60%. And that's because we can't get drivers and because of fuel, right?
4: Correct, correct. Uh, the average diesel price right now across America is $3.05. So, you know, you've seen, just, just looking at that transportation piece, when you break it down like that, divide that across every industry and who can function without the transportation needs that we have. Right. Um, Moving from the transportation, you mentioned the price of resin, resin prices year over year up over 200%. um, From a plastics perspective. And, you know, in my opinion, our market can't bear that. So we aren't, we don't pass along. We aren't even passing along all the increases that we're seeing from our suppliers. We're passing along what we have to in order to get things made and supply our customers. So, and I can imagine we have some farmers who don't tile every year. So if they tile two years ago and they saw the prices of pipe then, and they come and decide they want to tile this year because crop prices are higher, it's probably a slap in the face because what in the world is going on? And so that's where the importance of this conversation really hits home for me from that perspective.
1: So we got cargo ship, I mean, boxes that, uh, because stuff moves in the global marketplace that I set it up like four or five times. And then we've got the issue of transportation and you talked about diesel and uh, drivers and then transportation, we got 60% plastic, the actual product, uh, the, the raw material for the product up 200%. Is there anything else that the average person's like going, wait a minute, where else is this coming from? Because I talked about before we started recording, even just slow down, just once it gets to where you can't get it, Article I read in the Wall Street Journal says there are 40 ships on average anchored outside of Long Beach, L.A. that can't get unloaded, can't get unloaded because there's not enough workers to do everything that happens from the unloading to the forklift driver, to the truck, to to putting it on a train, to hauling it to Indiana. Um, So all of a sudden, when that happens, there's the chance then to charge more. There's a chance to charge more for everything along the way. Like, hey, when you can't get it, I guess I'm going to knock it up a few percent. Is that what we're talking about?
4: Yes, yeah, so labor, labor is a great next point to shift into. So right now, the the unemployment rate is actually half of what it was last year um, at this time. But the participation rate, so our unemployment rate was about 10% last June. It's about 5.7 um last I checked um, currently. But when you look at the participation rate, so the amount of people willing to you know, willing or able to go into work, it is only at 63% and it's falling. And so that is the part that we're all suffering from. So then from there to get people to um, come to work, stay at work, those types of things, given the current environment, you're having to increase wages, you're having to increase um, benefits, you know, things that are, are great things for these workers that are coming in, but that are also driving companies costs up.
1: Speaking of companies' costs going up, so we know what's happening now at the distribution, I'm sorry, at the, at the big time, you know, stuff coming from China, whatever, and then at your guys' level, uh, before we go over to John and talk about what he's seeing, are you making at ADS, are you making less money in the year 2021 because of your inability to even pass on? So in other words, it's not as though you're uh, making the same margin. Are you making the same margin, less money or less margin, less money because you can't pass on everything?
4: without going into too much detail, it depends on the product line. Um, but yes, I, I would say across the board, it is harder to do what we do every day in order to be successful. But I will, you know, I will leave this. This is the message I'm seeing across across all um, all manufacturers. Plan with your retailers. Plan with whomever you're buying your pipe, your chemicals, your seed, Um, you know, buy early if you can. But we are also telling people don't buy too early because we do see this coming down and we don't want money to be left on the table for anyone. So, you know, uh, another question I get is when is when is the reprieve going to come? It's going to last from a chem perspective. The thought right now is that it's going to be the end of 2022 before we really start to see or hoping that they see this come down. In um, pipe, I'm praying that it's spring of 20. It's spring of 22. But I, I, I can't say that. But we're all kind of in the same boat from that perspective. We should all see that reprieve come at the same time, assuming things keep moving the way that they're moving. But, you know, it's a gamble for everyone.
1: All right. Going to John Gilbert at the I mean, you know, he's he's not just some guy that uh, shows up and drinks coffee at the cooperative. He, as it turns out, is the director of crop nutrition, but also he sources stuff. He buys the fertilizer. He buys many of the inputs. You're seeing this. Um, Darla's over here saying it might be a year from this fall before we see an adjustment. If we see an adjustment, are you just going to advise people like Lee Lubers to let all 17,000 acres sit fallow good time to just go ahead and let it just gain moisture for a year and not even bother planting anything next year. What are you telling him?
2: Uh, no. Uh, obviously, uh, we uh, we have come out with some programs to try and help growers uh, make decisions. Uh, it has been super difficult, especially when you look at fertilizer prices uh, double from where we were a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so went from probably historic, not, not lows, but very low, uh, especially compared to the crop values. So we had lower crop values, but when you look at how many uh, ton of urea, a, a bushel of corn will buy. Uh, last year, we had tremendous uh, ratio. You know, you could buy a lot of fertilizer for what the price of crops was. Uh, this year, not so much. As fertilizer doubled, uh, crops definitely went up. Uh, but when you look out into the 2022 crop, uh, prices are higher, but they're not uh, as high as what fertilizer is right now. And so it makes that that decision very difficult. I want to hear about the program,
1: but just in case there's somebody that's maybe like so busy with their operation that they really haven't paid attention or even a person that has to be listening that's not actively buying inputs because the numbers are pretty staggering. You said pretty much double on fertilizer. Now my understanding is nitrogen's a touch more than double, phosphorus a touch less than double, just kind of walk us through your basic inputs that somebody like Lee Lubbers is going to buy, your basic customer's gonna buy. And within a percent or two, how much up we are looking at next year versus what it was heading into spring of 2020, uh, you know, crop planting and planning from before. Are we up double on all fertilizer? Which one's worse? And then also some of the other inputs, please.
2: Okay. Yep. Uh, You know, nitrogen, we are... uh... Probably right at double, maybe just a little bit less than double. Um, you know, we had a real aggressive uh, sales season last uh, July and August and had a good position on, on product. And so, um, you know, now we're at uh, $585 a ton on urea, where last year uh, when we did most of our stuff, uh, probably somewhere around 300 bucks or a little bit less than that on urea. And so huge increase uh, makes it really difficult to, to make that decision when we're coming off of those kind of prices uh phosphates um those kind of things um, have been uh are a little bit less than double uh but definitely when you look at going from 350 to $400 now we're 750 to $800 a ton so uh really difficult to take those uh prices and and make them work in a cash flow um and then you get things like potash and those kind of things uh just uh they have gone crazy uh potash is really high uh very hard to get um, You know, and I think all of these products, the supply chain is just so short and kind of like Darla talked about with COVID, we're kind of seeing that tail now we've got a ton of our plants uh, that are shutting down to do repairs that they really should have done last year and now we're getting stuff doubled up this year and some of these uh you know some of these shutdowns are so extensive that it's maybe uh instead of what's normally a one-week process since they kicked the can down the road on all these repairs now it's a two and three week process and and then you come along with the hurricane and that caused some logistical problems and caused some other plant shutdowns and so now all of a sudden you have Um, you know, a year ago we used a lot of fertilizer and so you had a pipeline that was empty. Now you throw all this stuff on top of that empty pipeline and you just have a a situation where we just can't get product. I had somebody tell me the other day in the fertilizer industry, you know, we've been trying to buy urea and UAN and those kind of things. And, and this person's been in the fertilizer industry for 40 years. And he said, it's just unbelievable that in September, we're not able to buy urea and UAN. And that's the position that we're in right now. Uh, it's just uh, really difficult. And so uh, hard, to, hard to put pricing out to growers when you can't uh, procure it on the other side. John, what did you
1: say that? Okay. Those are all fertilizer numbers. Say some other stuff. What does a, a, one of your farmers, uh, one of your customers use a lot of that. You're looking at saying, Holy crap, this is up 25%. This is up 31%. I mean, some of the yeah. other stuff, glyphosate, you know, Lee mentioned that. What else are we talking about? Some of the biologicals that are becoming more common. Uh, you know, what else are we talking about? Where does it stand on the prices?
2: Yeah, I think on the on the chemistry side to start with, you know, glufosinate, glyphosate, those kind of products are are double what they were a year ago, probably, and uh, very difficult to get. Um, we're kind of in the same position on those products, not able to get the, the gallons that we want, and so we're actually going through our forecasting process right now, letting our uh, uh, manufacturers know how much product we're going to need, and then they're coming back and telling us you're going to get this percentage of that product, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, Really difficult when you got salespeople out in the country that want to be out selling growers that want to make the decision to buy and we can't get the product to sell them so Mm -hmm. so really difficult and kind of like Darla talked about, um, you know, the margin side of it, we have basically been doing kind of Bring product in, sell it. And so when you do those kind of things, um, we're not taking advantage of the storage that we have for all of these products. And so we're not making the margin that we normally would uh, because we're not bringing the product in early and storing it and, and letting it appreciate. So so it's a lot of dollars that we're using and, and not getting the return that we are, are accustomed to. You're telling your vendors, your manufacturers, here's what we want,
1: here's what we're ready to buy. We're, we're not wanting or we're, we're willing to pay you for it right now, you know, ship it. And they say, okay, you're going to get 75% of that. They're right. You're getting rationed.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Getting rationed really hard on some products and you know, the, the ones that were rationed on and we know what that percentage is, uh, we can go out and plan for that and make some decisions and probably use some other things to hopefully get through that somehow. Uh, It's the ones that can't tell us uh, what we're going to get for a percentage. That is really tough. Mm -hmm. All right, Mr. Lovers, out there in Gregory,
1: South Dakota, I'm looking at your options. Um, Go fallow on all 17,000 acres. Uh, See if you could do some sort of really quick enrollment into CRP, Um, maybe organic, not bother with any of this stuff, no fertilizer, no agricultural chemicals, just kind of, what are you going to do?
3: Or the other option is we be farming, baby. Uh, we're going to keep our eye on the prize, uh, input, uh, management and output management are two big moving pieces in our business of production agriculture. And we've got to realize that, uh, like I mentioned earlier, back in the 2008, 2009 era made that very evident to us that input management we felt could be as important as output management. Uh, including agronomy choices and so on in seed selection so we've been very proactive since then and i'm not knocking anybody in my industry but the average perception is is more reactive than proactive and we've had proactive plans in place since 2008 2009 getting the first ones initiated and we're always seeking months even close to if we can go out a year ahead on what we feel are good deals on input pricing. Uh, We have no problem taking inventory early to have the physical product because we can insure it. We have sheds, we have security system. That's lock and key. It's safe. Uh, I've had producers tell me, well, I don't want to take the inventory. Uh, I don't want to have that expense. Well, if you're going to need it next year and you're in a situation like this, you're better to take it and have it because like Darla and John have already mentioned that here we are in September and we're looking ahead at 22 and everybody's getting into allotment issues. Mm-hmm. I've, I have not seen that to this scale. Uh, this is even more evident than what we saw in 2008, 2009 in the big run-up when it was just, just base inflation kind of taking off here. You've got supply chain disruptions, uh, it's like a rubber band effect you look at the whole world everything's reacting off of this variant or that variant uh political issues supply issues uh we just feel it's critical uh earlier this year we had a uh, small group meeting with dr david cole and he is phenomenal uh, he gives very sound financial advice and he told the handful of us there that in this coming decade that input management will be as critical, if not more critical some years, than output. He's 100% right. Uh, you can be a great producer and still lose money if you don't work on input management. So mm-hmm. we just feel it's extremely critical. And also utilizing our long-term relationships. So we're building with our suppliers over the years and always you know, backing up our end of the deal. Because like Right now, when you're looking at allotment situations and there's only going to be X and instead of suppliers being able to get 130, 150 percent of the year prior, they're talking 70 to 90 percent. They're going to take a haircut when the pool is only so big. We want to be first in line. So uh, that's why we're really working aggressively with our suppliers to make sure that we get what is allotted.
1: Okay, so. Uh, You want everything, and uh, if you don't get everything, then what do you do on your other acres uh, is one question. Next question they're gonna ask is, you said you're going you're to store stuff. Um, we got to get into that whole concept because, you know, that goes against the whole thing about efficiency. Just-in-time manufacturing came into this country 30 some years ago. By golly, we don't have the steering wheel to put in the car until uh, six hours before that car is going to start getting made. That's efficient. Now you're talking about bringing in crap in September that you're not going to use until May.
3: Uh, it comes down to cost of money. Uh, when the savings is there and we look at cost of money, we're better to carry the inventory and uh, pay for the insurance policy to keep it protected in case you have a fire, especially when you're in a period like this. Uh, when COVID hit and the big contraction, uh, we talked to our lender and we said, it's going to be like a rubber band when a bounce springs back the other way, look out. And we were already talking about the scenarios that happened in 08, 09, And we said they could be more intense. So, We've been working on long-term plans for well over a year to be ready for this. Are we mitigating all of our risk? No, uh, but we've had uh, plans in place for uh, managing our risk on fertilizer price. It's about $400 a ton in place. That's worked out pretty well. Uh, fuel, uh, when it was considerably cheaper, uh, there was options we could do with hedging our risk. Uh, it takes an investment but it's a small percentage compared to what the cost increases we're facing now. So you said you have a whole bunch of, you're going to make storage. I've been to South Dakota. So, um,
1: over the winter time, all that couple million dollars worth of fancy machinery you have, you're going to park it out there and let it get blizzarded. So you have room in the shop to park, park all this stuff, right? Is that what I'm hearing? You're going to have seed, you're going to have chemical, you're going to, you got, tankers you got all this stuff up there so all the machinery gets hauled out into the blizzard so you have room for this or do you build a couple of buildings what are we doing up there
3: uh we've had the buildings in place for years we have buildings dedicated for chemical and for seed uh historically our seed we're taking it by december all of our corn seed uh and we're working and been working on other inputs to have in place but now when everybody's getting thrown into this big tsunami of issues called allotments due to all these factors that's making it that's making a little bit tough you can have the best plans in the world but if you can't physically get it it gets a little bit nervous but we have time to work on our window to have things in place but i think the worst thing you can do as a producer is just pull the covers over your head and say well i'm just going to wait till spring because when we're already looking at allotment situations there may not be anything left in the pool by then All right, so you just said the worst thing you do is wait until spring.
1: Now, there have been times when people got a little panicky, and I'm not saying you are, there have been times when people got a little panicky, like, holy crap, better run and get this now comes like the run on the bank. And all of a sudden you get six months down the road. It's like, boy, we kind of overreacted. Looks like things were fine. Darla, from your perspective in the manufacturing drainage, married to a husband who works in agricultural chemical, I... Uh, do you think that things are going to be fine come spring and we'll all look back and say, gosh, remember in September of 2021 when we were concerned we wouldn't even have the stuff to go to the field come April?
4: So I think just like we were talking about with the, the tail of COVID, um, I don't think people understand, or we, we as an economy understood the, how long that tail can be. Um, Because there are other things that we have to consider in spring that I think some people have it in the back of their mind, some don't. Um, namely, so we know that China has, They last time they um, hosted the Summer Olympics, they shut down a lot of their factories because of the smog. Well, they're hosting the Winter Olympics this year. What is that going to do to the already backed up infrastructure that we have going on and the things that were supplied from over there? Um, they had that one positive, ca- one positive COVID case and they shut down one of their ports for that one positive case, right? And so Then you've got the Chinese New Year that takes a month that they normally have preparations for. So these are things that are upcoming that no one knows what type of impact they're gonna have on our market. Um, From the allocation perspective that these guys are talking about, they're absolutely right. Um, The allocation allocations have positives and negatives. Normally we never have to allocate anything, right? Um, For those that don't know, ADS is the largest pipe manufacturer in the country. And we, If we are having trouble getting supply, I know that others are having trouble getting supply. So I can speak from the plastics piece. Um, We have bought more resin. This is the interesting piece. We've bought more resin in a short amount of time than we ever have in the history of the company. And yet it still isn't enough. So it's the perfect storm. It's demand. The demand is at an all time high um, for for agricultural products. And then, but the supply is, I don't wanna say at an all time low, but it's, it's more constrained than it's ever been. And then you add the transportation piece in it. So I think it's going to take us a minute as a country or, and as a, as a globe to really rebound from this because, you know, we never can see the next, the next thing that's going to come down the pipeline. So I think it's going to take, I think we're getting to the peak and then it's going to take a minute for it all to come down.
1: I, I was being uh, a little bit facetious when I said that Lee's going to look back and realize that he overreacted. The reality is he's playing chess. He's saying, you know what? Even if it looks like things are fine come spring, we know we sleep at night and we know we can go to the field because we got our stuff backed up. Right. Um, but you know what? There have been ch- there have been times in lots of businesses where, when the panic was on, people overpaid, and the person that was either just uh, really, really. Um, risk tolerant or, or lazy or unprepared uh, came in six months later and bought the stuff that they wouldn't have had to have bought at a premium ahead of time. All right, John Gilbert, um, much of success in business and life comes down to the three little pigs, straw house, twig house, brick house. You're helping your customers build brick houses up there, right? So that when the big bad wolf comes, they can't blow the house down. Tell me about Acres Ahead and what you're doing with your customers like Lee Lubbers to build brick houses so that the big bad wolf can't blow them down.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, so our Acres Ahead program has been uh, trying to take advantage of people that are proactive and want to make decisions early. Um, you know, historically, when you look back at buying fertilizer, buying crop inputs, generally the best time to do that is that July to September time frame. And so we're trying to take advantage of that as a cooperative, we also need people that are proactive, like Lee to take products ahead of time so that we can get those through the system. We wanna always uh, service our customers the best we possibly can. And so spreading that time frame out where we can deliver products to customers really helps. And so we have people that are proactive and we have people that, that are a little more wanna wait and see how things shake out. And so we can kind of accommodate all of those people. And so Acres Ahead program has really been about driving a, a good, uh, decisions both agronomically and financially on the products that they're buying. And uh, so we have a, pro- a program that uh, you can uh, give us a fertilizer commitment. It gives you 0% financing on your crop inputs uh, like seed and uh, crop protection. And so that's really helped drive some business. Uh, The financing piece is such a huge uh, portion to a lot of growers, a really important piece of everything that they're trying to do. And so we try to make that simple, as simple as possible for our growers. And program has been really successful in helping uh, uh, drive decision-making. You know, this year we put a lot of information out there about how uh, like I talked about before, how how many bushel or how many ton of fertilizer a bushel of corn will buy and kind of give growers that perspective of where we were at two, three, four years ago and where we're at today. And I think that really helps kind of calm people down and, and make a, help them make a good business decision on whether they should buy their inputs now or, or wait until it possibly comes down.
1: You just mentioned zero percent money and Lee talked about I'd rather have my barns clear full of stuff and know that I got it, especially if the cost of money is not prohibitive. And then I got the stuff. Um, are you saying that Agtegra is offering to your customers? If you want to buy now, well, everybody says yes. Then you say, Oh, we only can give you 70% of what you want. Cause that's what we're allotted. Where are you on the, on your supplies? Are you, are you, are you going to go to your own customers and tell them, Hey, we're not, we can't give you a hundred percent because then we might shut off Joe and Bob down the road.
2: Yeah. So, so far today on fertilizer, we have let people buy as many tons as, as they wanted to. Um, you know, and I, I really see going into the fall season, we're sitting really good on our fall fertilizer needs. And so we're definitely allowing people to buy all the fertilizer that they want. Uh, there's really no, hasn't been any rationing back of, of what a producer can buy compared to their historics. Um, on the chemistry side though, we are uh, we are limiting people as to what they can buy because we're not getting the product on the backside and we just can't lock it in. Uh, pricing is on a delivered basis. And so they're not giving us prices ahead of time. So we have to wait until that product actually gets to us before we know what the price is. And so that makes it a lot more difficult. So on the chemistry yeah. side, yes, there is definitely serious rationing and and we have to look at historicals and and let people buy a percentage of what they have bought but on the fertilizer side so far we have not had to do that now
1: your customers aren't taking delivery of like 600 tons of uh of dry fertilizer and dumping it in a pile at their
2: farm are they no, no. Most of them uh, leave it at our place. Now we do have customers that have uh, hopper bins on their farm and they take their dry fertilizer ahead of time. And we've been doing some of those deliveries. Uh, also on the liquid side, we have a lot of growers that take liquid fertilizer this time of the year. We generally fill tanks this time of the year and that's kind of in full swing right now. And, and, uh, yeah, definitely so far there hasn't been rationing as far as, you know, to how much they can take.
4: So normally, you know, I would say a a manufacturer buys, you buy a certain amount ahead of time. You have this inventory of the inputs you're going to be putting into the product. So you know what you can price it as. Well, right now with force majeures that are coming in from the folks that are giving us the inputs, we get handed price. I've been handed, I think, six price increases so far um, since April. So I don't even know the price until I get it. And so I would love to be able to give a price at, you know, early but then that might change and you hate to come back and say, hey, just kidding, the inputs that we bought that went into the product we have now are actually more expensive than we thought they were going to be. So I need to increase your price. And so it, it's for our farmers to understand why you have to do that. It's, I don't want to say it's my fault. It, you know, As a manufacturer, it's you're waiting on us to give you that price in order for you to make sure that you're giving them the right idea of what it's going to cost in that time. And it's very timely. Like, you know, I've had to turn around and make changes almost immediately overnight from getting those increases from our own from our own suppliers. So it, it's a, definitely a trickle effect.
2: Yeah, it's been uh, it's been. Uh some of the most volatile times that we have had, you know, here in this past three, four months. And so, uh, I think in the past, you know, we've probably been a little bit more, we've had kind of a stable environment and so we were probably kind of knew what our price increases were going to be as we go. And so we felt confident in going out with the price to the grower knowing that that maybe small increases were coming, uh, where now you just absolutely can't stick your neck out like that. You know, we had, uh, yesterday had a chemical at a $6 a gallon, uh, increase on that chemical just in a day, just, uh, we were able to buy it the day before. And the next day it went from, you know, 30 to 35
1: or 36. So, okay. Let's talk about then navigating this. Um, first off I've already got one written down that my man Lee says, he says, be proactive versus reactive. And he says he wasn't bashing on people in the industry, but let's face it. A lot of times people sit around and say, Oh crap. Now what should I do? Be proactive versus reactive. What's another piece of advice you
3: got on how to navigate this, Mr. Lubers? uh we've got to remember in production agriculture we're no different than our suppliers we have input and output and even committing to our input prices now to secure ourselves for 22 uh, we have risk management plans in place on our grain pricing without doing pledging physical product so actually we've already got essentially paper floors in place where we have a floor in place so we are gonna be able to make the numbers work with our input prices being up. Uh, Already in June, we are estimating 15 to 20% more to farm in 22. I talked to our lender and uh, Andrew, the guy we work with on risk management, and I said, I wanna cushion, let's bump it to 25%. I would rather push myself a little bit more to make myself a better manager than be disappointed in the fall of 22. You're saying right now, consider it
1: a 25% increase in input prices to farm in 2022 and just use that as what your baseline is going to be. And then you go from there on what you need to then sell stuff for.
3: Yeah, we, I voluntarily threw that at our lender and our guy we work with in risk management, just to kind of push ourselves a little bit extra because we're already running about, uh, True numbers, well, what we've got secured, about 17%. And I said, let's bump it to 25. Let's make it a cushion because we want to be good managers about this. Uh, We don't want surprises on the back end. And, well, like John said, in one day, $6 increase on a key chemical. And right now we're in allotments. We don't have all of our prices in place. So let's just put in a cushion and acknowledge this, what it's going to be. There's ways input and output we can manage. So we've defined our risk, and now we're managing it, both sides of the equation.
1: Okay, so proactive versus reactive, you you plugged in a number, and then you plugged in a number from both the input and the output, and then you also now have – and you're also saying, Hey, and it, it costs of money. If I can get 0% from the, from the co-op, or if I can get, even if I'm paying a little bit of an operating note or whatever, bringing it in, if there's a chance of an 8% more increase and you're costing yourself 4% on the loan, still better to buy it now. Right.
3: If we can get zero or 1% money on key inputs and have a very good likelihood of saving 15 to 35%, I'll do that all day long.
1: Yeah, you know, I'd pay 1% to make 15%. I mean, I'm, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, but I'm just saying that seems to make sense. Lee, Lee's advice, okay, John, uh, he already stole one from you. Uh, Lee wanted to make himself look smart by saying, well, you know what John said, then he took your advice and made it look like it was his. But I know you're a sharp guy because above your right shoulder, dear viewer, you might see this, is a logo. What's that logo again above your right shoulder?
2: South Dakota State Jackrabbits.
1: Good for you, South Dakota State University jackrabbits. All right. What's your advice uh, navigating?
2: Uh, I think uh, just uh, like Lee said, you got to be proactive. Um, got to take the emotion out of it. Uh, these these uh, chemical price increases and the fertilizer increases are emotional uh, when you go look at that initial cost. And I think it's really important to get back to your kind of basics on the, on the producer side, and that is look at your cash flows uh, look at your ratios and make good, good business and good agronomic decisions, uh, based on those. And, you know, we, uh, we really want to be a partner with our growers. And I think we've done a good job of that. And I think providing that kind of information to our growers really helps them make the decision. Look at the numbers, take the emotion out of it.
1: Darla advice, thoughts on, uh, this first off, you say it's going to end come spring. What if it doesn't?
4: <laughs> so great point. Um, and I said, that, you know, fall, but I'll, to each his own. Um, I hope it ends by spring for pipe, uh, but I don't know if it will. Um, transparency. So I feel like all these messages are, are, are connected. Lee says, you know, inputs and outputs. You know, John talking about communication. The more transparent you can be about your needs and proactive, the better all of us are going to be able to service the market. The more I know of the needs, the more I have clarity on, that the better I can plan for, okay, this is the situation we have from a supply perspective. This is what the need is. How do I bridge that gap? And if I know, the sooner I know that, the sooner I can, I can work to fix it. So having that transparency is clutch for the levers that we pull or are able to pull in order to make sure that we're providing everything that everybody needs. Because I mean, this past spring, we thought we had it forecasted correctly and we were, we were dead wrong. Right. I and mean, it was much larger than we
1: thought. So, you, you know, your message is similar to John's as well as Lee's. Go to the people you do business with and say, hey, listen, th- this is my situation. And here's what I'm willing to do. And here's exactly what I need. And then it's it's time to team up on this uh, versus making an adversarial relationship with your suppliers. It's probably best to see what you can do about making it a uh, <laughs> symbiotic uh, relationship with your suppliers and vendors. Right. Anything else? Anybody got anything else for a wrap this topic? Good time to be in agriculture. It's a
3: good time to be in agriculture. It's a good time to be in Gregory, South Dakota, too, isn't it, Mr. Lubers? Every year, every day, you know. I mean, people always say, well, this year's not normal. Well, define normal. Uh, we we know we're in a business with uh, a lot of moving pieces, and the best we can do is plan ahead. I mean, we're not farming for the twenty 20- for the 2021 crop, we're focusing the 22 crop, and I mean, this is what we do—production agriculture. So we're not getting caught up in what's happening today. We got to be looking forward, and that's that's what all of our suppliers do, and that's why we're we're very proud of the relationships we have with our input suppliers. Uh, we feel that's a real strong part of our business, and Darla said too open communication uh work with your suppliers talk to them this is what we hey this is what we're going to need for 22. do you have any ideas what's your thoughts i mean working relationships are critical in times like these
1: i think that's some really good out the door stuff there and by the way when we talked about the title of this episode understanding and navigating agricultural input price increases and you said something that i say to my agricultural audience all the time well it's not normal uh Come on. What's normal? There's the eighties. Normal was, uh, you know, the bounce back, the run-up from 2005 to 2013. Was that normal? I mean, it's, it's, it's always the marketplace is in constant motion. So your success dictated by how you can navigate that. John Gilbert, your last thought, uh, Agtegra, there you are helping it, helping make it happen.
2: Yeah. I really think that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times high prices and COVID and, uh, things like that, 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 create, they oftentimes create opportunity. And I think we have an opportunity here to maybe everybody do a better job of forecasting and running your business and doing that. And so I think taking the lessons that we're learning right now in this kind of tough environment and kind of spreading those out over the next four or five years, it could be, could have huge returns. And so it's all about taking those challenges and, and turning it into an opportunity. And I think we try to do that at Agtagra, and, uh, you know, we really appreciate our, our customers and our growers out there. It's just, uh, they they, uh, they are fun to work with every day. And I think the more we communicate back and forth, the better it is. And so I, I really enjoy being part of uh, agriculture in South Dakota and North Dakota. It's it's uh, really a rewarding time to be in agriculture.
1: His name is John Gilbert. He's the director of crop nutrition. He also sources a great deal of the uh, inputs that people like Lee Luber's need up there in the Dakotas and his company's Agtegra. And uh, he's been gracious enough to join us here. Lee Luber's founding member of Extreme Ag joined us here. And Darla Huff, she's the Ag Market Manager for North America for Advanced Range Systems. Uh, folks, we talked about understanding and navigating agricultural input price increases. Uh, I think we did a good job for it. Till next time, we appreciate you joining us here at Cutting the Curve. My name is Damian Mason. If you want to see more great stuff like this, you can go to extremeag.farm. That's Xtreme, there's no E, Xtreme Ag. Actually, there's two E's, but there's not one in the front of X. X farm, And you can also check out my stuff at DamienMason.com because we thought this was such a great topic. We're sharing it in both formats through the Extreme Ag format, as well as through my format, which is the business of agriculture at DamienMason.com. Till next time, thanks for being here. It's Cutting the Curve.
0: That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out extremeag.farm where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions